Hi, this is Rob Wiltsey, founder of Schoolshine. We make custom, professional-quality videos for school districts. We want to make sure your district has the very best video content possible and the best content strategy so you can get the most out of your videos. So check out some samples at schoolshine.org and schedule a call with us today to learn how you can take your videos to the next level. That's schoolshine.org. Do you wish that creating and sending email newsletters took less time and effort? Would you like more parents to tune in and read your district's newsletter? If so, try MarketVolt, the email newsletter platform tailored for districts like yours. With MarketVolt, it's simple to create newsletters that parents will read. MarketVolt automatically customizes your newsletter to match each parent's interest. With MarketVolt, you can create better newsletters with less headache and less hassle. Visit betterk12newsletter.com to learn what MarketVolt can do for you. That's betterk12newsletter.com, powered by MarketVolt. Hey there, PR experts. Blackboard here. School PR is about telling the story of your students, your teachers, and your school community. From websites and mass notifications to mobile presence and classroom engagement, Blackboard has the tools that you need. And whether you're a one-person shop or part of a bigger communication team, we can help you reach more people more effectively in less time. Thank you for all the work you do in improving education and helping students succeed. And thanks for letting us be a part of it. Now, back to the podcast. Advocating for public education, sharing our stories, and celebrating our schools, students, teachers, and staff. From crisis communications to media relations, social media, and everything in between, we're here to give you the best strategies, tools, and techniques to help educators help our kids. Welcome to the School PR Podcast, brought to you by Blackboard, Schoolshine, and MarketVolt. Here's your host, Ryan Ferran. Creative brain versus survival brain. Very interesting theory and thoughts from Martin Williams. The keynote at a recent Calspra Orange County Regional Conference put on by Nicole Pichardo, who did an amazing job. And Martin Williams just owned the stage and has this theory about survival brain versus creative brain and really how to increase your consciousness, realize your emotions and how to manage them better and work even better with those who are also in emotional states like survival brain. Talks about life is really the inner game, your mental aspect, your resilience. We often think of the, the physical really has a lot to do with our mood, our attitude, and our overall quality of life. But Martin talks a lot about life being the inner game, the mental approach. For me, I just about six months ago read The Inner Game of Tennis, which I'm a big tennis nerd, but you think it's uh, a book all about tennis, but it's really a book about the mental approach to all sports. The focus is tennis, but Tom Brady has read it. Uh, Pete Carroll made all of his USC teams re read it when he was coaching at USC. Is really about the mental approach and the best way to be at your peak in a lot of these situations. And Martin, who has led expeditions up at Everest, he led a group of students from the North Pole to the South Pole. Just amazing stuff. He's now the life coach for Thought Exchange, but he has this theory about creative brain versus survival brain and really how to control better your mental state and get the most out of 
what you're doing, how you're doing it, and your approach to certain situations. I've had a chance to meet Martin twice and chat with him a little bit outside of his keynotes. Just a fascinating guy, really great insights into life, and he shares in this keynote a lot of the wisdoms he's picked up. You know, when you're hanging on the side of a cliff and people's lives are on the line and you really have to get control of your emotions and the mental state, first thing you and I would, you and I would do, or maybe just me, is have that emotional reaction. But he really talks about how to control that better and recognize when you're in those emotional states. So we're going to hear from Martin in a moment from the recent Calspa Regional down in OC, which was wonderful. Speaking of Calspra, huge news. Just announced the annual Calspra conference is coming to Newport Beach in Southern California. Sign up now, calspra.org, March 12th through the 14th. Calspra continues to grow. We are now over 400 members strong and just a great group. Past few years, there have been so many new people, first time folks at the conference, which has been great to see. School PR is a growing field, and Calspra is growing and getting even better and better and providing better resources for its members. I have the privilege of being the regional chair for the Los Angeles area in Southern California. We were just at the state capitol. Strategic planning for the next three years, and specifically a lot of talk and planning was done for this conference in March in Newport Beach, which is exciting. It's at the Hyatt. I was at Capio last year, which was also at the Hyatt. Great venue for a conference. Great town, Newport Beach. They have a tennis center right there on the grounds. If you like tennis, be sure to chat with me. I'd love to play some tennis with some folks while we're there. And uh, So sign up now. It's going to be a really good conference, some great speakers, amazing sessions, as it always is. Jen DeRico, she is leading it. She is uh, taking on the huge task of putting this on. She's going to get some help, but uh, if you have any specific questions or anything like that, I know Jen will be happy to help you. Any of us regional chairs or on the exec board of Calsper would also Love to help you and answer your questions, but get to Calspra Newport Beach. It is going to be amazing. Coming up a little bit later in the podcast during Martin's chat keynote talk here, we'll also have some jobs, that uh, school PR jobs that are out there, and also have a school PR podcast recommendation. So we'll get to that as well in addition to this. But again, Martin Williams, really inspirational stuff on transform transformational leadership and how to get a great control of your emotions and work with others that are in emotional states as well. So here you go. Here is Martin Williams from the OC Regional at Calspra just recently. He's a mentor. He's a, a first call for many of us when we have a, a struggle or when we're noticing that we are not showing up in our uh, best selves. And, uh, and Martin does these types of sessions, keynote sessions and, and whatnot for groups like this and, and other leadership um, groups across different um, organizational uh, structures. And uh, and the thing that is most amazing about Martin is that he has this level of sage wisdom that you, you hear the fables of people marching up the mountain to, to talk to the gurus sitting at the top and get the nugget of sage wisdom. Um, Martin couples that so magically with being the most down-to-earth person I think I know and the most approachable person um, with the most generous assumptions on why you would come to him with an issue or those kinds of things. And so his work is highly relational. Um, all of us can personally attest to, uh, to, to wonderful conversations with Martin. 
some of us talk to him more than others <laughs> uh, because we find ourselves in these uncreative spaces a lot. Um, and so Martin's going to tell us a little bit about himself and take you through some practical tools. Please welcome Martin Williams. And he has the best laugh ever. <laughs> it's contagious. Okay, so it's really good to start off from where we just, you know, Andy's um, little exchange there to look at, you know, stress, overwhelm, disorganized, right? And so, um, from my own background, I spent, you know, many years guiding people of all ages and abilities around the planet, you know, often to the most extreme places on the planet. And one of the things I realized, which this is really a core piece, is that. Um, we actually can change from fear to joy in the blink of an eye, right? We're used to, we're actually used to long processes of changing from fear to joy, but I'm saying no, no, no. Actually, our ability, if we realize our ability to change fast, then we'll start to access it, okay? So, for instance, we do this unconsciously all the time, right? We're in a game, you know, great joy, great fear, right? We, we're flipping all the time unconsciously. So if we flip all the time unconsciously, we can do the same thing applying consciousness. So today what I'm talking about is how to increase consciousness, okay? So really, you're guided, as I mentioned earlier, guided, you know, here, here I am on Everest guiding. Um, you know, this is a, a, um, a two-month-long trip to the North Pole by dog sled. I've guided, I've worked with billionaires and millionaires, but also worked with um, the kids off the street in Vancouver. So I've worked with inmates in jails. I've worked with this whole spectrum of population doing extreme things, including we had a plan to climb a mountain in Antarctica. When we finally reached the summit, we realized we'd created a system which, in, which was, and ended up being an airline. So from you know, just an idea to creating an airline in about five years, just from pursuing what's possible, right? Um, so, and what I see is that every time we investigate what's possible, we stretch our boundaries, and we never quite come back to the same shape. We keep on expanding. So another thing I was doing was going up to India and spending seven years in a monastery, and we'd do this every day for, for months, for, you know, for some hours. We'd sit in the, we'd light this at, at five o'clock in the morning, we'd sit in the circle, and we'd, we'd, we'd observe our consciousness right? for, for some hours a day. And so really, again, that gave me the insight that we actually are the creators of our state, right? We are the creators of our joy. We're also the creators of our sadness and our fear. So another little insight I got was this was in 2000. I did a journey from the North Pole to the South Pole on the human power with young people from around the world. So eight young people from various countries and the commonality of them all was that they all had a burning desire to make a difference on the planet. So along the route we spoke to universities and schools about the power each individual has to make a difference. So we helped with homeless projects, we helped with war orphans, we did environmental projects. And so one of my key realizations about this also ties in with consciousness, okay? And uh, as a project traveled into South America, it became better and better known. And we'd have thousands of kids out to come and do a cleanup with us in an area. But the, the team were all looking forward to cycling in Bolivia, right? It's the Altiplano, it's beautiful weather, 
etc., etc. So you could be in the most beautiful place in the world, and somebody could be having a lousy day, right? And so it'd be, well, you know, Dylan left his socks by my nose, his smelly socks. I didn't, I wanted granola for breakfast, I didn't have granola. I haven't heard from my girlfriend in a week. All these things will literally take us out, right? And so life is actually an inner game, ultimately, right? And so you, working with your communities, uh, if you have this understanding, life is an inner game, then how do I play this inner game with my whole community, right? So then conversely, here we are now in the, you know, heading to Ant across Antarctica. It's minus 40, traveling in a headwind for eight hours a day. And this, you know, somebody could be having a great day. So again, so life is actually an inner game. It's not the external. We think the external controls our emotional state. No, it's our internal space that controls our emotional state. Okay. So then, as we start checking this out, what I'm saying, we start becoming the observer of ourselves. We start going, oh, look at me over there. Now I'm, now I'm, I'm frustrated by that thing. Oh, okay. We, so rather than being me frustrated, we start being the observer of me frustrated. And that gives us access to tools and techniques to change all of that, okay? So literally, we actually have a choice of our state, okay? So then, Another thing in doing all this, what I realized is that there's really, if we understand how we're wired, it boils down to really two essential states. We're either in survival brain, which is fight, flight, freeze, or creative brain, which is athletic flow, excitement, joy, all those sorts of uh, emotions, right? All those sorts of states. So then if we look at, <coughs> we look at this sort of state, and I know it sounds like a lot of you in your roles, you are dealing with this sort of stuff a lot, right? But you're also dealing with, you know, the flighters, right? People who want to get out of there. And you do this too at certain times, right? And then also, at times, you may freeze or people you're dealing with may freeze, right? So I just want you to take a second now and just quickly um, close your eyes and look at which, what's my dominant way of being? Do I fight, do I flight, or do I freeze? Just close your eyes and just check in. What's my dominant pattern there? Okay. When you have one, just turn to the next person and share what your dominant pattern is. I'm going to put Alan on the spot here. What's your oh. Alan? I'd probably tend towards fight. Okay, so Alan's a fighter, Kaylee's. Kaylee's a freezer. How many freezers do we have in the room? Oh, how many fighters do we have? Oh, wow. Okay, so then, really, survival brain is looking for, is looking for, for problems, right? We're scanning the horizon for problems and making sure we're safe. It's highly protective. Whereas in creative brain, really that's athletic flow. On the, on athlete, athletes would recognize that term. But it's also when we're solution solving, when we're enthusiastic, when we're dynamic, right? So we can be in, a, in, in creative brain in many situations. And I'm pretty sure you spend quite a lot of time in creative brain. So then let's look at an example of this. So let's take time, for instance. And in survival brain, time is a curse. So that's when there's never enough. 
I'm fighting with time, I just don't have enough time. So anytime you hear you or your team muttering about time, you know they're in survival brain, right? And typically these will be unconscious patterns, right? Meanwhile, in creative brain, time is actually, it's something we play with. You know, so you, you go out and say you're going to the gym, you say, I wonder if I can do that exercise faster. I wonder if I can bicycle a little bit faster. Can I drive faster? <laughs> um, um, there's a bunch of things we play with time with, right? So one way to look at this is that in survival brain, if time is a curse and we're in that pattern, we'll run that pattern for our whole lives and we'll end up stressed you know, near our deathbed and complaining about lack of time, right? Whereas if we look at, if we're in creative brain and look at our whole lifespan, then time is a game we play with and we live a beautiful life, don't we? So it's literally how we live our life, these things, right? Um, obviously, it's not 100% creative, 100%, 100% survival, but obviously we want to move the needle towards creative, don't we? So that we do live the beautiful lives that we have to live. So then we asked super, 50 superintendents in Chicago uh, what was their survival brain in, in terms of leadership, right? Um, so they said, we become frustrated with stupidity, right? And that's the thing with survival brain responses. Typically, they're constricted and they're illogical. Really, because superintendents, they've taken the job in order to help decrease stupidity. <laughs> so if you see the, start seeing the, the joke around all this, somebody in survival brain they, they, they come up with such constricted, illogical responses to life, right? So then we went to another event with 100, uh, sorry, 1,000, 1,100 masters of scale participants. This is a corporate event, right? And many of these people are CEOs and have 1,000 employees, right? And so that was, I do it all myself, right? I believe the lie that no one else can get the job done. Meanwhile, they have 1,000 employees. <laughs> Again, can you see the ridiculousness of of this. So you'll see it in yourself, but you'll also see it in people coming towards you. People will come, will come towards you with the most ridiculous statements, right? And uh, it's up to you to help them understand and help them um, deconstruct those, really, isn't it? Okay? So really, obviously, in, in creative brain, it's how do I optimize the use of my 1,000 employees, right? Um, so another example, this is from Product Exchange. Um, one person starts the day with 10 items on the to-do list, they work 110%, they complete the 10 items, they feel good at the end of the day. Nice picture, right? Second person starts off with the same 10 items, they work 110%, but during the day they gather 10 more items, right? They complete five items, the end of the day with 15 items they complete, and they have a lousy Now, the result, both worked 110%. This one's refreshed, this one's frustrated, which then goes over to, triggers over to the next day, right? So, but again, if you look at it, they both worked 110%. What's the logic of this person over here? How come is this okay, right? They worked 110% and they're not sleeping at night. So, what's going on here? Obviously, we can say they're in survival brain, but there's more to it. It's a survival brain pattern, okay? And so literally, this person here has a blind spot. 
they're measuring the success maybe by uh, the number of tasks done, right? Or um, by not disappointing my team. So what will happen is we'll repeat these survival rate patterns day after day after day and in, in total unconsciousness, right? Um, so here's another one. Um, this lady saying, this is a neat looking car, right? We can all see the silliness of it, but this is what people are like when, they're, when, they're, when they have a limited cognition, right? So we keep on operating with these ways of being in the world. And so, you know, there's not enough time to listen to people, right? Meanwhile, we've got our fingers in our ears. It's literally that bad. So then, what could be a different measure of success in this case, right? So it could be that um, I measure my success by the effort I put in each day. So I gave you the example of the two people. You can have a third person who also ends up at the end of the day with you know, 15 items undone, but because they measure their success, in fact, this has happened in groups when I've introduced this, people come up to me and said, actually, I leave with 15 items undone, but I measure my success by my, you know, by my 110% effort, right? And I go home, I'm relaxed, et cetera, et cetera. So, so what I'm saying is that the way to find out if you're in survival brain pattern is to look at what are you irritated by? What is a constant irritation in your life? And start looking, oh, there must be something hidden in here for me to discover, okay? So again, you know, the, the superintendents become frustrated with stupidity. Once the, the superintendent realizes that, he can then start, get, he or she can then start saying in the morning, okay, today I'm going, to be, I'm going to view my day through the lens of I am great at listening when people are in difficulty, right? So if he, if he or she starts off in the morning with this little mantra, this chant, um, then that becomes their way of being. Then when difficulty comes up, they go, oh, I'm about to go into <laughs> blame and et cetera, et cetera. No, 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 I don't go there. I go into actually increasing listening when people are in difficulty. So there's choice points that come up, okay? But we have to, first of all, catch the pattern, apply an expanded cognition, and then implement, right? So I'll give you some examples here. Um, this is another thought exchange employee. Um, and uh, so he comes home from work, he's got four kids, he walks in the house, there's chaos going on, and, he, and there's a mess, and he would stand there and shout at them, right? <laughs> and then he just watched one of my presentations, realized, oh, that's what I'm doing. Next day, he comes home, looks around and goes, ah, this is so beautiful. You know, I'm at home with my kids, I, I see, rather than see through the lens of disruption, I see through the lens of my kids having a good time, right? So literally, these shifts can be quite rapid. Another one, um, this again is um, one of the thought exchange employees who works in the accounting. And he, he is a typical 3 p.m. overstressed person, right? And what he realized is that um, if he takes time at 3 o'clock to sort out the rest of the day and takes five minutes and goes, OK, those items can move till tomorrow. I'll tell that person about that. Except sorts it all out. I have three items left to do by the end of the day. He can then complete his day in a really good state. So just this catching of my pattern is to be totally stressed at 3 p.m. What do I need to do? Right? Another example is this. This is also in, in Rossland where Thought Exchange is based. The owner of this place here 
comes out in the morning and, and he loves the clean payment. But typically overnight, people would come past and throw their cigarette butts on the ground. Right? So he would come out every morning, have a little rant. Right? And he was at a company meeting and spoke about this and, and saw us, saw what we were talking about. And now he comes out and just goes, he sees the same cigarettes, which they haven't moved, right? And goes, ah, I'm so happy to be alive. So literally, it can be that sort of shift, right? That sort of possibility. So the question for you then is, where could your team have blind spots? So you all have teams, you have, you know, you have the teachers, you have various administrators, you have transportation departments, you have communication departments. Um, one way to find a blind spot is, where's the most emotional upheaval, right? Um, where is the most disengagement, right? Where is your team most disgruntled? So just close your eyes for a second and just scan your whole team and just see what comes up and then we can share that with the person next to you. Great, actually we're gonna look at that as a, as a, a whole piece in just a minute. Okay, great. Um, anybody else or we can move right on? Okay, we'll move on. Okay, so then next question, then we're gonna do an exchange of what is your team like when they're at their worst? What is your team like at their worst? Okay, we'll take a quick break here. We'll get to the rest of Martin's keynote. Really good stuff already, and we'll get to the end of it coming up in just a second and a few school PR jobs as well in my school PR podcast recommendation. What could stunning professional quality videos do for your school district's PR and communications? Find out how Schoolshine's professional video team can partner with your district at schoolshine.org. This podcast is also brought to you by MarketVolt Email Newsletter Solutions, providing industry-leading email newsletter solutions that better connect over 800,000 parents, staff, and community members with their school districts. Learn more about MarketVolt at betterk12newsletter.com. Blackboard believes in the power of good communication in helping students succeed and is a proud sponsor of School PR with Ryan Ferran. Blackboard, education's partner in change. Some of those jobs I was referring to, multimedia communication specialist, part-time fill-in, I believe, in Folsom, Cordova. Get to work with Daniel Thigpen. He knows his stuff. That would be a great place to work and learn from him. The Bakerfield City School District is hiring a chief communications officer. Starts out at $123,000, caps out at $149,000. That is a chief communications officer position in Bakersfield. And Folsom Cordova also hiring a part-time position for a multimedia communications specialist. And Schoolshine is hiring for a sales rep as well, a full-time position. They have a new office in Pasadena. They're actually renovating it. Really cool space in downtown Pasadena here in Los Angeles County. Check out schoolshine.org for more on that job posting. And real quick, I want to give you another School PR podcast recommendation, a new School PR podcast I recently Listen to a few times. They have seven or eight episodes now. It is the School PR Happy Hour. Really good stuff from some really smart PR school folks back east and on the Midwest. So if you're getting sick of this School PR podcast, I would really recommend the School PR Happy Hour. It's on iTunes, Podbean, all your familiar 
podcast platforms and they do a great job, some really good, interesting, informative conversations. So I would highly recommend them, the School PR Happy Hour podcast. Great job by them and go check it out. Another great resource for all of us in School PR. All right, here is the second half of the keynote with Martin Williams from Thought Exchange. I'll read out a couple of them as you're, as you're plugging away here. The top so far is non-productive, resistance defensive, resistant again is the second one, disengaged is the third, miscommunication, frustration, another one, uh, teamwork in silos, not as a team. Yeah, resistance coming up quite a lot. They don't communicate with each other. We stop communicating. Close minded, non communicative. They might miss an innovative idea. When we got frustrated, our minds tend to be a lot less open to outside opinions and perspectives. Divided and clicky is an interesting one. Ineffective, non-communicative, causes stress and no fun. Okay, so we'll come back to that in a minute. I just wanted to, um, it's important that in our time, um, I want to make it as alive and as engaging as possible. So the next little piece is, will end, end up being an exercise. So my own fears, when I was raising the money for that big pole-to-pole project I showed you, um, I had to get on the phone to people, and I needed to raise about half a million dollars. And so I'd done all these expeditions. I had this big, you know, big legacy of success. But when it came to me in the office on the phone, I would get petrified. My my hands would get sweaty. My throat would get dry. My heart would be pounding like a Harley Davidson <laughs> on idle, and uh, I wouldn't make the call. So this happened for a couple of weeks. And I realized this project is going to die unless I do something, right? So I thought, what would I do? What do I do with somebody on a cliff when they're about to repel over a cliff? Okay, I get them to visualize the end result. Okay, so what, what's my end result? Okay, the team at the South Pole success, right? So I sit at the desk, I close my eyes, and I start visualizing the end result. I start visualizing this team at the end result. And they're there, and they're, they're all happy it's been successful. We've touched the lives of thousands of young people. It's great. And as I did that, Literally, my body chemistry would change. And I would, in 30 seconds or a minute, I would go from absolute fear to raging excitement, right? And then, so I'd open my eyes, ah, reach out, grab the phone, make the call. Next day, same thing again. Petrified again, had to do the same thing, the visualization, change the body chemistry to excitement, and, and back at it. So what I realized in this process is that we, as I showed earlier on that slide of the, of the, um, uh, the crowd at the game, we have the ability, we can consciously choose our state, right? So when we fall into an unconscious state of frustration, etc., we can shift it right back to a con- consciously shift it back to another state, okay? So literally our potential is to, is to rapid state change. So you as leaders, I know you're faced all the time with various situations, and once you know, oh, I have the ability to rapid state change, um, let me access that. So the quickest way of all, it's literally a muscle. We don't do this, obviously it didn't happen to me overnight, right? Next day, the same thing, next day, the same thing. But I work the muscle, right? 
And as I worked the muscle, then I started to become more and more able. So literally what we're going to do is one right, right now. So stand up, everybody. And our first step is to look at the ceiling and, and put the biggest smile possible on our faces. So all the research shows that when we do this, it triggers endorphins in our body. And literally, we become happier. So smile as hard as you can on the ceiling, OK? Great. You're doing great. OK. Next one. We're going to stretch then. So let's stretch our, our arms. Good. OK. And then let's jump a bit. And then, OK. Then let's move into the dance position. Next time, we'll have any synchronous. Close your eyes now, though, and just notice how different your body feels, right? So literally, often I've done this before by asking you to be in one of your worst states, feeling that in your body, and then shifting. This time I, I didn't do that. But do you see the difference how your body feels? So, okay. So now then, let's move on to another problem, right? And this is some of the things you identified in the group earlier. The leader has a vision for change, right? So the superintendents, whatever, or the powers that be have come down and said, we have the vision, right? And then when, with the new initiative, we have the team and survival brand, right? <laughs> so the new initiative comes out, and the response is this, right? So we have some, have some fighters, we have some flighters, <laughs> and we have some freezers, right? And then if this is unaddressed, right? This, so really what happens then is the, big, the vision fragments into chaos, and we end up with some sort of low-level performance, right? And so, and typically, you might hear this all the time. We have, we have to do this new thing, right? Which then is a survival brain response. If it's unaddressed, it becomes embedded. Everybody then mutters for the next six months, oh, we have to do this new thing. And you can see the body language, oh, we have to do the new thing, right? And it becomes the norm. So all of a sudden, you have a whole pile of people who the norm for them is just stumbling around with this have to do the new thing, right? So literally, we have to catch, as leaders, we have to catch these things early and address them, right? So then, one solution we've been using at Thought Exchange in, inside the company itself is once we know how survival brain works, then it becomes language, right? And so as Andy mentioned, um, in my coaching, now the senior executive, when they're on a call to 130 employees, the, the leader will say, oh, you know, this happened yesterday and it put me into survival brain. And everybody goes, oh, yes, we know what that is, <laughs> right? And so when you acknowledge the change has these effects on people, and everybody knows, then you can say, oh, we're going to bring in a change. You're probably all going to survival brain. Let's acknowledge that. Let's work through that. Let's hear all the grump. Let's hear all the fighters. Let's hear all everybody, right? And then we can move on. So literally, 
in thought exchange, we've used it, you know, to to come up with what are the top issues, and then the leadership can address them, right? And so as we start to share about what our survival brain responses are, well, that put me into flight, that put me into freeze. Um, then all of a sudden it becomes okay, right? So rather than this low level of performance, um, it then becomes okay. So then having got people into a more okay state, then we can start asking creative brain questions, right? But if we start asking these questions too early, we'll get an absolutely totally negative response, right? So if you ask somebody in deep survival brain, uh, what is your greatest opportunity? They'll probably give you the finger almost, right? <laughs> you know? But, but when they trust you, when you've, when they when you've shared about their, their responses, their fears, et cetera, et cetera, then you can ask these questions, right? And so, you know, what's our highest possibility? And then some of the other questions like, um, what can we do that inspires others to engage? How can we get greater engagement? You know, um, how can we make this even more beautiful? What's the end goal? How, you know, how to keep focus on the big picture? So you can ask people who are out of survival brain these questions, and all of a sudden, the whole team starts. They all say, oh, yes, and the conversations happen. The exchanges with these sorts of questions become really amazing. You know, actually, in um, Lake Washington, one of the superintendents there with a the group who are not in survival brain, her question to, to the team was to, at a school district, at a school, was um, how do we welcome the new students in a way that is extraordinary, right? And that's really a creative brain question, isn't it? And the responses from the people were, oh, well, we could do this, we could do that, we could do the other, right? And all of a sudden, the answer that comes out is phenomenal, and then you implement that answer, and all of a sudden, you've moved from here up here, right? But if people are not in, if people are in survival brain, you don't get these answers, right? So we have to, the team has to have a, um, develop this understanding, which you can then implement, okay? So really, it's almost like, we apply this to hi Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And break it up into survival and creative, right? When, when change comes along, immediately you've increased half the team is now, or three quarters of the team is in survival, right? But as you start plugging away, start, oh, we, we hear you, we know what, you know, we understand. Yes, we too have that, you know, rather than, then we start moving it up and eventually then we all switch into creative, then we can ask those questions and then move us along even further, right? So then, um, this doesn't apply so much here, but the classic corporate dysfunction is this, right? <coughs> is the leadership is unable to hear. Meanwhile, the elephants in the room with the unsaid are trampling, are causing chaos at the lower levels of the organization. Okay, so this is classic corporate dysfunction. Okay. So now the next problem is the public is not in support of change. So this again, I'm sure a bunch of you will resonate with this question. <laughs> so um, what I want, I'm going to, this is a question for you to answer to me, is then, so how do you deal with the fighter, with the fighters, right? And how good are you? So just think, maybe close your eyes for a second, just think of that, oh, how am I, how am I good at dealing with fighters? And uh, how do I deal with them? Okay? Then you'll share with the next person.
want to get some, some feedback from people. So was the consensus, are you are pretty good at dealing with fighters? My suspicion is you are, because you know, you've, you've had lots of practice, right? Um, and any thoughts on you know, how to deal with fighters? Any comments? Yes. We had a consensus of being good listeners. So when people are in fight mode, um, sometimes like, if you egg them on more, if you also are in fight mode, so if you can kind of go back down to just being a good listener and listening and being an active listener, um, and maybe people can kind of calm down that fight and bring this back over. Mm -hmm. Good, great. Good, okay. Then let's look at the next one. Fighters. I'll give you an example here. They fly, but they take their complaints home, right? <laughs> They're not happy, and they take their complaints home. Hmm. Um, how, how good are you with that group? What do you do, and how good are you with that group? Just close your eyes for a second, and just come back to that one. With this group, too, right? Okay. So let's look at the third group, with how to deal with freezers. <laughs> How do you deal with freezers? So then, let's just do a little. Um, now, which one are you worst at? Which which what is the which one which one of those categories are you worst at? Are you, I, you know, from what I heard in the room, it sounds like you're pretty good at this one. Yeah. I didn't hear. I heard you know what that one is, and you have some difficulty in this one too. You know what that one is, and you have some difficulty. Any other comments though on that? Yes. So for the freeze one, um, I consider myself a, not the freeze one, the fight one. I consider myself as like a fighter, so like confrontation. So I said that um, from an outside perspective, it's nice when someone reaches out to me and they're kind of like, what's going through your head? Like, mm -hmm. why are you feeling like this? And I just send them a lot in. Oh, so it's yeah. really nice when someone reaches out to me and just ask how I'm doing. Sweet. Yeah, great. Now, how, how to do that on a large scale is the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then, just a guess. What percentage uh, is each group in any, in a, in, on any issue? So I've asked these this at a, a couple of different occasions. So typically I've said that, you know, say some people have said 20% of, of a certain situation, 20% of being in, 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 uh, in creative brain have had 10% fighters, which is a total of 30, and the rest 70% are split somewhere in here. I'm, I'm interested, what is your, what's your experience with this? As a leader with a dealing with dealing with issues, right? What sort of anybody else give me a? Do you see where I'm going here? Fighters. Fighters. Ninety-nine percent fighters. Fight. Fight. Sorry. Fight. 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 Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. So. Um, so then. What are your takeaways from, just turn to the person next to you and just share with them, what are your takeaways from this? What, what really, what I was, one of the points that I've seen here in a bunch of groups is that this area here, we're not very good at doing, and it's also a huge group, right? It's the, one of the, the discoveries I've been making, and it uh, sounds like that's not confirmed by some people in the room, but, okay. So then, what are your takeaways from this so far? Just uh, share with the person next to you, what have you learned? So really, my, my suggestions to you are, you know, please keep on moving towards the, the creative brain space as much as possible. 
Mm. Um, for you, be the observer, not just of yourself, but of your teams and then, and then of your community too. So when somebody's coming towards you and you recognize, well, oh, that person's in fight, I know how to deal with fight, it, it, again, you become the observer of you dealing with them. Whereas uh, if you're in your personality, you might get caught up in fight, right? So the more you observe what's happening, oh, now there's a whole group of people in flight. What's my best way to deal with them, right? Now there's a whole group of people over here who are doing this. What is my best way of dealing with them? It really helps sort things out. It really helps make you make good decisions, okay? So next then is the next exchange. Let's wait. Let's do it after Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, any questions or thoughts? Anybody got anything to say yet? Okay. So, what I thought we'd do next then is yet another, just to keep the energy high, let's do another rapid state change. This time, though, let's go back to you at your worst. So, close your eyes. And, um, what were you like at your worst? What's the energy in your body? You know, um, a lot of you reported things like frustrated, disengaged, um, upset. Just feel those feelings in your body. Just feel your stomach churning. It's you have all that work to do. You have to respond to these people. All that anxiety. Just feel it in your body. Okay, great. Next, we're going to stand up. And we're going to smile at the ceiling. Great, good, good, good. Plaster that smile on. Good, good, good. Then Ritz will raise our arms and stretch. Good. Oh. Great big stretch. Okay, let's move our bodies a bit more. I think we have some dance music coming, do we, Andy? Every now and again, you have to do this without music. Oh. <laughs> okay. You have to go on your own, right? Yeah. To give a little hug. And just feel the difference, right? Just see how your body chemistry has changed. So you can be the master of your body chemistry. And when you access the different body chemistry, so your response to the outside world changes too, right? Okay, great. Everybody sit down. And again, it does take a muscle, right? It does take, it does take you practicing this. So a bunch of thought exchanges and even other superintendents I've spoken to, I've, I've seen them six months later and they say, you know, um, I walk out of a meet meeting, it's been a bad meeting, I spile the ceiling for 30 seconds and I'm in a different space. So really just start implementing these things, right? Okay, back to Andy. Okay, thank Great. you everybody. Mm -hmm. Thanks everyone. Look, give me a hand. Great message and keynote by Martin Williams.
down at the Calsper Regional in Orange County. Again, great job to Nicole Pichardo putting that on for the Calsper folks down in Southern California. Really enjoyed it. Learned a lot from Martin Williams. Just a great resource for us at Calsper and some really good insights to get you thinking and some tools, tactics to really get control of your emotions, your inner game, and get that creative brain going. I really enjoyed that discussion, so appreciate Martin and the Thought Exchange team for putting that on down at the regional. And again, Calsper Annual Conference coming up in March, March 12th through the 14th. Check out calsper.org to sign up. Podcast episode number 36 was a great conversation with Rob from Schoolshine talking really in-depth about video, video techniques, strategy, kind of next level stuff. He really understands video, how to produce it, and get the most out of it to get those videos going. So check out that previous episode as well. And again, coming up next week, we're going to talk to Nicole, Christine Peck, and Matthew Jennings, who are all doing amazing work in general. But specifically, I wanted to have them on the podcast to talk about They're doing these 60-second videos, weekly recaps about their school district. They're getting great engagement, a great response. When I talk to them about it, they light up. So we we were all in Sacramento, grabbed all of them to walk us through this process, something for you to consider for your school district. And both of them started out, some have video experience, on-camera experience, some don't. So we'll talk about with them about their techniques, their experience, how they're doing it, their editing, writing the scripts and all that stuff, but they are really excited about it, seeing a great return on investment and great engagement from the community and specifically their staff. So we'll have that for you coming up in the next podcast. Until then, calsper.org to sign up for the conference and we will chat with you soon. And don't forget to check out the school PR Happy Hour podcast as well. All right. Keep on telling those stories, everyone. Appreciate it, and keep up the good work advocating for public education, our kids, and our staff. Great job. Hi, this is Rob Wilsey, founder of Schoolshine. We make custom, professional-quality videos for school districts. We want to make sure your district has the very best video content possible and the best content strategy so you can get the most out of your videos. So check out some samples at schoolshine.org and schedule a call with us today to learn how you can take your videos to the next level. That's schoolshine.org. Do you wish that creating and sending email newsletters took less time and effort? Would you like more parents to tune in and read your district's newsletter? If so, try MarketVolt, the email newsletter platform tailored for districts like yours. With MarketVolt, it's simple to create newsletters that parents will read. MarketVolt automatically customizes your newsletter to match each parent's interest. With MarketVolt, you can create better newsletters with less headache and less hassle. Visit betterk12newsletter.com to learn what MarketVolt can do for you. That's betterk12newsletter.com, powered by MarketVolt. Hey there, PR experts. Blackboard here. School PR is about telling the story of your students, your teachers, and your school community. From websites and mass notifications to mobile presence and classroom engagement, Blackboard has the tools that you need. And whether you're a one-person shop or part of a bigger communication team, we can help you reach more people more effectively in less time. Thank you for all the work you do in improving education and helping students succeed. And thanks for letting us be a part of it.